You can't look at the manger without acknowledging the cross. And as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I can't think of a better time to celebrate communion than now. I wrote down five things that communion joins us to. As we take communion and we consider the fact that God has come to man, I want to acknowledge these things that communion joins us to. First, communion joins us to divine life. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. That through these you may be partakers of His divine nature. The word that Peter uses that we translate partakers is koinonia. So through these promises, we koinonia, we participate in, we fellowship with, we share in the divine nature. Koinonia is the same word that we translate communion. Now, as we commune with him and share in his body and blood, we receive of his divine nature. The exchange that takes place in communion is exceedingly great. So much so that Jesus says in John 6, 53, that if we don't eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, we have no life in us at all. Through koinonia, through communion, through fellowship with his torn flesh and his shed blood, he gives us his divine life. It's a life that goes on forever. He who eats this bread will live forever is what Jesus says in John 6, 58. This isn't just bread, man. It is life. It's divine life. He gives us his life through his flesh. Whoever does not eat the flesh of the Son of Man, has no life in him. You must partake. You must koinonia. You must commune with this bread. It's the living bread of God that stepped down from heaven to what? To give life to the world. Communion joins us to divine life. And second, communion joins us to the cross. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 18, Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers, there's that word again, partakers of the altar? See, Paul understood that the altar was a place of covenant. And the meal shared after the sacrifice was a celebration of union with the God of that altar. Paul says if you eat of the sacrifice then you actually receive of the altar. And you announce to those you're eating with that you're one with them just as you are one with the God of their altar. Communion joins us to the altar of Christ. It joins us to the cross and all of the benefits therein of His cross. Third, communion joins us together as family. In communion, we are celebrating a sacrifice that breaks down every racial barrier 
Every blood barrier, every class barrier that man has erected to keep out those who are different from him. The Lamb of God tore down the dividing wall of hostility, as Paul writes in Ephesians. And the celebration of that sacrifice now joins us in communion to his body and to his blood, making us family. Communion joins us to him where everything in him is one. All things are summed up and gathered together in Christ. When we fellowship at the Lord's table, we are fellowshipping as family. Fourth, communion joins us to the spiritual realm. Daniel had no problem with his name being changed to a name that represented the pagan gods of Babylon. Daniel had no problem going to school for three years to learn about Babylonian culture that had completely destroyed the culture of God's people in Jerusalem. But when it came to eating from the king's table, that's where Daniel drew the line. He purposed in his heart, Daniel 1 verse 8, that he would not defile himself with the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which the king drank. You see, there's something about the table that joins us to the realm of the Spirit. Daniel was not going to join himself to the king's spiritual realm. He belonged to a heavenly realm, and he knew to eat from the king's table was to join himself to the king's spiritual realm. Change my name. Throw me in your school. No problem. But I will not sit at your table. Communion joins us to the spiritual realm. And finally, communion joins us to simply profound mystery. There are great mysteries in this gospel of ours. There are profoundly deep things that even angels cannot fathom. But in the center of it all is a fact so simple that its best ritual is marked by bread and wine. God uses common, simple things as channels of his revelation. We bring bread and wine and we get back Christ. This is the mystery. Jesus is present at his table. The table, man, it is the central act of Christian worship because it expresses and it makes effective our gospel. The meaning of the table is inexhaustible. It transcends all of our efforts to explain it or interpret it. We never come to the end of the mystery of bread and wine. One part of the church will have one aspect of the table and another, another will see something else. But the truth and the glory and the depth of the table, it's a mystery beyond us all. So let's move beyond mere symbolism and embrace the mystery of communion, where bread is flesh and wine is blood, where servants are kings and crosses are thrones, where water is living and wind is spirit, where impossible is real, and what is real is unseen and eternal, and where God's people gathered around a table in faith actually gather around Christ himself. God, call us up into the mystery where trust and wonder and love are everything. 
and where the greatest and the most real things can never be proven, can only be believed. And I believe that 2,000 years ago, God became man so that man can be joined to God once again. He took on flesh so that that flesh could be torn and he could bleed. As we celebrate his coming, have one eye on the cross and celebrate those things at the table of his communion and celebrate all that that communion joins us to.